Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, have you recovered from the 15-hour stream yet? Uh, yeah, I would say so. You know, I was back streaming the next day. You're a monster. I have no idea. I did not even want to look at a computer screen the next day. <laughs> you, you're just your addiction is not as strong as mine is. Apparently not. The force is weak in me. Yeah, yeah. You need to you need to work on that. I think I got back at it on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. The 15 hour stream was a total blast. Yeah, super fun. We crushed it. What yeah, were we, we 19 and seven, something like that? Yeah, something I think we had like a 73% win rate Four trophies on the day. Had like a bunch of different kinds of decks, which is really cool. Didn't feel like we were doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah our, our our winning streak always seems to come to an end in the last four or five hours. <laughs> I wonder why that is. That probably yeah. is totally unrelated to us be feeling exhausted. Yeah, being delirious. So thank you to everybody who came to hang out during our streams on Tuesday during the 15 hour stream. It was super fun. Thanks to everyone who participated in the treasure hunt for M19 to help make that happen. And thanks to everyone who's been jumping right on board with the guilds of ravnica treasure hunt holy cow twitter has been blowing up yeah it has been taking off i've got a couple crossed off myself i crossed off loop to loop and teacher of the year so far nice well done well done three mentor triggers is tough yeah i actually screenshotted it before we released the treasure hunt but oh okay so <laughs> just a cheater then yeah just a dirty filthy cheater <laughs> yeah well so what's uh what's going on with the trophy leaderboard uh, if we check in on the trophy leaderboard, I've now got 31 drafts under my belt, 11 trophies, uh, 67 and 25 overall record and a 73% win rate. Nice. Just staying strong there up in the 70s. Yeah, staying strong. How about you? Uh, I've got 66 drafts under my belt. I just trophied before we started recording. So 16 trophies now, 131 to 65, staying strong with my 67% win rate. Booyah. Anything like trend wise happening for you now like 30 drafts in i know we've got these sweet uh stats in our spreadsheet that we keep track of all of our drafts in so do you have any sense of like what's been winning for you more often than not are you like starting to feel like what your preferences are in the format anything like that checking out for you yeah i feel like lately it's been much harder to find an open guild like mm -hmm. i found myself playing three and four colors a lot more i think more of the world is fighting over like is it and demir and even Golgari like has not always been open. So I found myself like base blue black 
green red a lot like some combination of those colors in three or four colors hmm. uh and i've been having a lot of success with glaive of the guild pact or whatever it's called and just crushing people with it yeah i think glaive is still not perhaps widely appreciated for what a sick card it is especially for those kinds of like three to five color decks that you sort of have to back into i think glaive is such a huge win condition in those decks and so hard to deal with there's so few cards in the format even sideboardable cards that you feel like uh, bringing in to kill that. Like green doesn't have, I mean, it's got status statue, right? But like the naturalized effects aren't there really that there's the enchantment destruction for sure with crushing canopy and sprouting renewal. But like, it's not really a lot of ways to blow up artifacts in the format. Yeah. Glaive is a house. So that that's what I've been feeling just that it's been harder to find an open guild and that I've been having to bob and weave and keep ending up in these three and four color decks a little bit more. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I've been having a lot of success with Demir. I started off not having a lot of success. That was like my most popular <laughs> guild, but also my worst record. But that's definitely turned around. My like last five of six trophies has been with Demir. So I'm excited to get to talk about that in a little bit later on in the episode. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had like more like three to five color decks. If I scroll through like the first half up to like draft number 40, it's like basically all two color decks. And then you start to see like a couple Wooberg decks and a couple like two color splashing two color decks. So I definitely am having that same experience of you of like, well, I'm not feeling like the open guild is here, but I'm feeling like I have powerful cards. So how do I take advantage of that? Yeah, so we'll be talking about the five color decks next week. I think we're going to have a lot of information about how to navigate into those decks and what are the strong cards and what are the trap cards for those decks. And speaking of, you have a great article out about reading signals on Cardsphere, right? Yeah, so I did uh, write an article this week about reading signals. Uh, I think it's shout out to Old Metal Ship for a great title recommendation. The article is called, Does Demir Like Me or Does It Just Want to Be Friends? A Guide to Reading Signals. And I think it's a really good outline of how to navigate this format in particular, but also just breaking down what reading signals means in pack one, separating pack one into three different sections. And I think we'll be looking at referencing that perhaps even this week, but in the coming weeks as we talk about maybe not even just like pack one, pick one, but it feels like the meat of this this format revolves around like pack one, pick four, five, six, that area. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Can confirm, read the article. It was absolute fire. Thanks, man. Um, all right, so we're going to dive into how to draft Guilds of Ravnica Part 2 this week. We're going to look at Boros and Demir and talk about what versions of those decks have been successful for us. But before we get into that, we got to talk about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. Um, if you feel like we've been helping you navigate these first early weeks of Guilds of Ravnica, if you've been winning some more boosters, I'm not allowed to say boost DDs. Ben doesn't like that. If we, Oh my God, please no. <laughs> If you've been winning some more booster packs at uh, your FNM or on Magic Online or on Arena and you want to show some support that way, you can go to patreon.com and pick a tier and, and, and hop right in. And all of those tiers give you access to the Lords of Limited Discord, which is the place to be. I say it each and every week, the place to be to talk about limited with like-minded people, with people who are just grinding and crushing every day of the week getting more and more information, more and more reps. You want feedback on your deck in real time, you want feedback on your draft that you just did. Did you train wreck? Should you have done something else? There are people in the Discord to help you out, to jump in and talk to you about what you've done. Um, and we want to make sure that we shout out each and every new member this week. And I got to say, I'm excited to welcome in these fine folks this week. Welcome Sean, Alexander, Craig, and Nick. 
We really, really appreciate your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thanks to you four, and thanks to all of our patrons that have signed up since we started the Patreon. I, I really could not have dreamed, like, since we got that first email, like, hey, do you guys have a Patreon that we ever would have, like, gotten off the ground this much? Mm-hmm. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, we're going to take a look at one of my drafts that I did earlier this week that uh, I'm excited to get your take on, Ben. We had a, a we were even spoiling a little bit before the show today. Ben was like, well, I would have done this and this and this. So I'm excited to see uh, where Ben would have taken this draft. Are you uh, ready to take a seat at the round table here, buddy? I am. Let's do it. All right. So pack one, pick one cards in consideration. Direct current, one red, red for the sorcery. Deal two to any target with jumpstart. Deadly visit, three black, black for the sorcery. Destroy target creature and it has surveil two. Got some stacked uncommons here. Justice strike, red, white for an instant. Target creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. I believe uh, one of the hosts of this podcast called that Doom Blade on the 15-hour stream. That was bizarre to me. Conclave Cavalier, green, green, white, white for the 4-4 with Vigilance. When it dies, create two, two, two green and white Elf Knight creature tokens with Vigilance. Chemister's Insight, three and a blue for the instant. Draw two cards with Jumpstart. And your rare is Light of the Legion, four white, white for the 5-5 Angel with Flying, Mentor. And when it dies, you put a plus and plus one counter on each white creature you control. Okay, time out. I was the person that called that Doomblade, right? Yeah, that was you. How is that not Doomblade? It's not Doomblade. It's totally Doomblade. I just feel like there's a lot of creatures in this format that have bigger butts than... Like, this is a small power, high toughness format. It's a great card, obviously. It's a great premium removal spell in the format. I just... Just calling it Doomblade seems a little loose to me. (laughs) All right. uh, So, if we take a look here... I think, you know, we've got some stacked uncommons, but we've got a lot of good single colored options. So I'm immediately going to rule out Justice Strike and Conclave Cavalier. Mm-hmm. I think we've got a really high power level pack. And so I think we're hoping to pick a, a single colored card for flexibility. Where are you at? I'm just curious on Deadly Visit versus Direct Current as a pack one pick one. I am on Deadly Visit higher than Direct Current. Interesting. I think I would be on Direct Current over Deadly Visit myself. Um, and then leaning in towards the uncommons and the rare, I think Chemister's Insight and Light of the Legion really stand out to me as the premium single colored cards. And I think between those two, I think I'd pick both of those over any common. Uh, Chemister's Insight has just been fantastic in both Demir and Is It. It's a way to close out the game once you trade off resources one for one. And while Light of the Legion is a super powerful dragon type card, I don't think it's really necessarily what you want in your Boros decks as a six drop at the top of your curve. Like, I think you're happy with sort of whatever creature there in your Boros deck. Like, the real power from the Boros decks comes from your one, two, three drops. So I think I would land on Chemister's Insight here over Light of the Legion as a nod to wanting to be blue and the power level of Chemister's Insight. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I do not. I'm excited to have you sort of run down Boros decks in a little bit to to talk about it and to get to pick your brain about what you think those decks do. Because, you know, I, I've drafted them here and there, and this is no secret to anyone. I just like don't much care for red-white aggressive decks. And I think I can draft them just fine. But what though what you say here makes a lot of sense about not really wanting a six drop in that deck. I think my weakness in those decks comes from perhaps keeper mulligan decisions, maybe even comes from like, the final build of those decks and I think comes from uh, sequencing plays. Uh, I think a lot of like those decks hinge on small margins of like, oh, you chose to play the combat trick here, yada, yada. So uh, I'm not sure that my play skill is quite up to snuff for, for those kinds of decks, but it also just doesn't line up with what I generally like to do. All of that is to say that I did take Light of the Legion here just as a, a nod towards its being what I think is the most powerful card, but that does make sense to me that it doesn't perhaps go in both of its archetypes the best. Yeah, so I think that's probably going to lead us down two different routes here. So fasten your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. 
<laughs> yeah, and we're gonna, it's going to be a bumpy ride here as we move on to pack one, pick two. See the following cards in consideration. Not a lot of great commons here, like probably Wojek Bodyguard might be the best one. Two and a red for the 3-3 three, three with Mentor, and it can't attack or block alone. Moving on to the uncommon. I'm eyeing that Demir Guildgate too. It's pretty sexy. You're eyeing the Demir Guildgate. Pick two, you take a Demir Guildgate? I don't know. I've done worse. <laughs> I bet you have. Inspiring Unicorn, two white white for the 2-2. Two, two. Whenever it attacks, creatures you control get plus and plus one until end of turn. And City Watch thinks five and a blue for the 5-4 flyer. When it dies, you surveil two. Yeah, so I think the strongest cards here on power level are the ones that you picked out from the pack. Um, obviously. <laughs> Yes. And I think, I you know, it. for for me, like <laughs> for me with having chemistry's inside already, I think the single most powerful card in the pack is City Watch Sphinx. Although I don't love that this has four toughness. If it had five toughness, this would be an absolute house. But the fact that it dies to Hypothesizal and Artful Takedown, you know, I remember saying early on in the format, like it was difficult to pin a magic number on the format. I would say five toughness is one, one of the magic numbers in the format, just surviving some of those common removal spells that do forward deal with things with four toughness yeah it seems like there's the magic number from like two to three to get out of dead weight and direct current range and then being so unique or so rare because it, it is pretty rare to, to see a five toughness creature but getting out of the range of lava coil hypothesis and artful takedown is pretty big as well yeah so all that being said though i think city watch sphinx is a clear pick for me here having chemistry's insight in my pile so i think that's what i'd land on yeah i like that a lot uh with my white card i took inspiring unicorn as uh, i think probably the second most powerful card in the pack, though it's not a card that I have liked very much. Like it can be very strong, but it is also very fragile and is very awful when you're behind. But there's like some, now I've got two cards that kind of care about going wide, especially with white cards. Like Light of the Legion cares about having a bunch of white creatures on the battlefield when it dies and Inspiring Unicorn wants you to go wide, that sort of thing. So I felt like that was a pretty fine follow-up. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Moving on to pack one, pick three. It's going to get a lot weaker. There's not much to speak of. The only blue card in the pack, well, there's two blue cards in the pack for you, Ben. You've got a Wish Coin Crab, three and a blue for the 2-5, and Piston Fist Cyclops, one blue-red, blue-red hybrid for the 4-3 with Defender, and as long as you've cast an instant or sorcery spell this turn, it can attack as though it didn't have Defender. There's a Fresh-Faced Recruit, which is one and the Boros hybrid for a 2-1, and it has First Strike as long as it's your turn. And Demotion is a single white for the aura Enchanted Creature can't attack or Enchanted Creature can't block and its activated abilities can't be activated. Yeah. Uh, so for me, with having these two blue cards, Chemistry's Insight and City Watch Sphinx, uh, I'm a little nervous, you know, seeing just Piston Fist Cyclops here uh, really is the only blue card I'm excited to put in my deck. Although Wish Coin Crab has done a fair amount of work for me as just a great blocker or coming in and out of the sideboard. Um, but I think my blue cards are powerful enough and Piston Fist Cyclops is great. And is it that I'm perfectly fine third picking Piston Fist Cyclops and feeling good about it? So that's what I'm going to land on here. Um, I see that you took for your white deck Demotion over Fresh Faced Recruit. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? Because I think I'd be on Fresh Faced Recruit here. So Demotion has been a card that I have been impressed by quite a bit in white aggressive decks, either Boros or Selesnia. And I think it's a much more unique effect than Fresh Faced Recruit. I agree that Recruit is one of the best two drops Certainly for for Boros, I think less so for Selesnia, but still you'd play it. Um, but I just felt like Demotion was less replaceable. Being able to double spell with that card is really strong um, on like turns, whatever, three, four, five. And most of the time you don't really care unless you're like on the draw against another aggro deck that your opponent can still attack with that creature because you're racing anyway. Yeah, that makes sense to me, but that seems like that's only great in a game that's going 
perfectly or a certain way, it just seems narrower to me. I think I'd, I think I'd be on fresh faced recruit there. I think I would be much more excited about like a luminous bonds in that spot. So where are you valuing demotion in comparison to luminous bonds? Like if luminous bonds were in this pack, I would take luminous bonds, but I could also, I could definitely see points in a draft where I would want demotion over that. Um, if I've like already got some luminous bonds or if my curve is looking maybe a little clunkier or like it could take better advantage of a demotion. I don't know. I, I just think it's a, a good spell a lot of the time. Interesting. Yeah, I just haven't played with or against it yet. Really. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. So we got white, white, white for me. Blue, blue, blue for you. Moving on to pack one, pick four. Your blue options are pass wall adept. One and a blue for the one three as a activated ability of two and a blue target creature can't be blocked this turn. And my white card options are Blade Instructor, two and a white for a three one with Mentor and Sworn Companions, two and a white for the sorcery to create two one one white soldier creature tokens with lifelink if we're looking to go wide. And then probably the best cards in the pack off color are like Spinal Centipede, two and a black for the three two. When it dies, you put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control or maybe even pilfering imp though i pro- probably not you probably take spent si- spinal centipede over pilfering imp at this point uh i think i actually would be on pilfering imp over spinal centipede here i've been pretty underwhelmed with spinal centipede whoa uh, i have like it, it just doesn't go in demir very well i don't think it's what you want to do in a demir deck you just want whisper agent or the one four that surveils to like 10 out of 10 times over spinal centipede yeah. uh, and since i've got three blue cards here if i'm taking a black card it's setting me up to maybe draft Demir. And I think Pilfering Imp would be more at home. Like Demir really wants to tear your opponent's hand apart uh, with like stuff like Pilfering Imp, the rats and disinformation campaign. So I think I think I would be on Imp here over Spinal Centipede. And I think that's what I'm going to land on because I'm not thrilled about Passwall Adept or Wall of Mist. That's interesting. I, I would take a Passwall Adept here, I think, in your spot. Like I always want one of those in my Demir decks. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of lukewarm on Passwall Adept these days. Whoa, what's changed for you? I just, the one power, it just doesn't block well. Like the one three doesn't block any of the three twos. Every once in a while, it's awesome where like it can win you a game where you otherwise wouldn't be able to win. But by and large, I just have found that it hasn't pulled its weight. Like every card matters so much in the control mirrors and it just doesn't do enough, I've found. Like it doesn't block well against the aggro decks and it's not worth enough of a card when you're in a slugfest control mirror. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't block amazingly against the aggro decks, but I just feel like, well, we'll talk about Demir later about what I think about the curve. I just feel like sometimes you just just need twos and Demir doesn't have a lot of good twos. So you're on Pilfering Imp here and I grabbed Blade Instructor, just keeping that white train rolling, which I I think has been a a fine card. I mean, the low toughness isn't great, so you're often trading off with some things and God forbid they have like a ravenous, not not ravenous rats, burglar rats in play or like a generous stray in play that just feels like it blanks this card pretty hard, but three power mentor for three mana is pretty good yep rock solid agree with that one there so for me for the next couple picks i grabbed a pair of sworn companions that's the make the two one one white soldier creature tokens which i don't generally like but i've already got a mentor creature and a unicorn and the light of the legion that kind of wants me to go wide so it felt like that if there's a deck where this card is going to be good it's going to be this start and i took those over a flight of equinauts i just have been not impressed by that card seems way too clunky to me in either board that card's garbage yeah that's it's a shame right why is it why is it so garbage i just it's not what you want to be doing in any of the decks it's not what selesnia really wants i mean occasionally you'll get a selesnia deck that will play it but Mm -hmm. it's still not a a premium finisher like you're just as happy with a siege worm i think yeah i agree with that i think you're happier with a siege worm i think i don't know why but uh, what about you what would you have taken 
I would have ended up with in picks five and six, a Darkblade agent and a Whisper agent. And I think I'd have been on track to draft Amir. So I think it's super interesting based on just your first pick, mm-hmm. like that we had two very different routes through this draft. Very different and both very viable routes. Like I don't, I'm not like, oh, I don't feel confident that one start is better than the other right now. Yeah, I think we're just on two different paths based on our first pick. Yeah, I ended up being near mono white at the end of pack one, opened a uh, Legion war boss in pack two, and that hedged me into Boros. And I ended up two running with the deck at the end of the draft. Nice. All right. So great segue here. I ended up with a two one Boros deck. Ben, tell me what a three o Boros deck is like. We're going to break down Boros now. So what's that deck doing for you? Yeah, so three O Boros decks. Uh, I think the game plan for Boros is that you try to really get off to a fast start with premium one and two drops backed up by mentor creatures in your two, three, four, and five covered mana cost slots. And I think the deck is largely centered around commons and uncommons, which is a benefit to it because I think if the pieces get opened, you're going to get them. But I really think, you know, I was of the opinion that maybe a table could support two Boros drafters early on in the format, but I am off that opinion pretty hard now. Mm. I think you need to be the only Boros drafter to really have a great Boros deck. And I think a medium Boros deck is pretty dangerously bad. Yeah, I agree with that. What makes you think that the table can't support more than one drafter? I just don't think there's quite enough of the premium cards. So like the things that make the deck tick are like healer's hawk on turn one and some of the uncommon two powered mentor guys mm-hmm. on two and then you need sky knight legionnaires on three like you need all of the best creatures at every converted mana cost slot i think for your deck to be great and i think if you're fighting with another drafter the the amount of those creatures in every converted mana cost slot just gets uh watered down to the point where neither of you have a deck that's going to 3-0 so what kinds of cards are maybe pulling you into this deck and the start of like your first booster. Yeah. So if we look at the rares first, Aurelia Exemplar of Justice really pulls me in here. Kind of a headliner for the Boros Guild. She's awesome and unstoppable. Legion War Boss is another really strong one. That's two and a red for the two two with Mentor that poops out a one one goblin on your turn that has to attack every turn if able. Uh, Tajik is another one that really pulls me in here. It's another Boros rare three two haste mentor creature. Just a three powered hasty mentor creature is a really big game. Runaway Steamkin, although it has is it stuff in his name, really pulls me into Boros. Just a two drop that's sort of Tarmogoyf esque. I mean, it can only get up to a four four, but you know, if you pay two mana and you end up with a three three or a four four, that's exactly what Boros is after. Um, so every time you cast a red spell, you get to put a plus one plus one counter on Runaway Steamkin, and then Swift Blade Vindicator, sort of, but not really. That's red white for the one one. I think it's like double strike trample and vigilance. Yeah, yeah, that one. I kind of want to pick up after I'm in Boros. That doesn't really make me want to move into Boros. And I like I think I would take some of the premium uncommons over that in Boros, for example, like some of those two power mentor uncommons. Yeah, I mean, both of the, the two power mentor uncommons, the um, Boros Challenger and some Sunhome Stalwart feel like really important pieces for a good Boros deck. Yeah. And then so speaking of those uncommons, the uncommons that make me want to play Boros Rock Charger 1-3 Flyer that you can mentor onto that jumps your other mentor creatures into the air to give them evasion. I think that might be the single most important card uh, for Boros. And then obviously those two two two-powered mentor creatures, Boros Challenger and Sunhome Stalwart are great. True Fire Captain is very strong. That's the red, red, white, white 4-3 that when it's dealt damage deals that much damage to your opponent, which we learned on the 15-hour stream that Sonic Assault does not actually deal too damage <laughs> to the True Fire Captain. I was like that was about so 12 hours in and I was trying to convince everyone that we were going to kill our Ben opponent. was convinced that Sonic Assault was just direct current at instant speed and tapped a creature. <laughs> I was arguing so vehemently. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Goblin Banneret, I think, is really at home here. It's single red for the 1-1 one, one with Mentor that you can pay uh, Smoke Breathing, one in a red, to give it plus 2, plus 0. Oh. And Legion Guild Mage, I think, is not really like super pull into Boros for me. Like I think it's one of the worst uncommons because it's just a 2-powered two 2-2 two, two on turn 2, and you really want better attackers than that. But it is a good late-game mana sink. Like If you happen to flood out a little bit, being able to tap a creature down or close the game out by paying 6 to deal 3 to your opponent is really strong. So both of those last two, Goblin Banneret and Legion Guild Mage, I'm looking more to pick up in the 4 through 8 range mm-hmm. of picks. Uh, and that's sort of when they're a signal for me to move into Boros. Sure. You've even got some common here on the list of cards that pull you into the the deck what are those yeah i think sky knight legionnaire again in picks four through eight after i'm started in red or white with some removal spells makes me want to lean towards boros and late healers hawks like which i'm considering picks four through eight kind of late for healers hawks now Mm -hmm. uh after being in white that makes me want to lean in towards boros although i think healers hawk is great in selesnia too uh, and I've got it as the best white common now, I think. Where are you at on that? I'm not uh, drinking the Kool-Aid here with Healer's Hawk as the best white <laughs> common. Sorry to say. I'm, I'm sticking with Luminous Bonds. Though I I think I do now have Healer's Hawk ahead of Parhelion Patrol, but uh, I'm not, not putting it as number one yet. Okay, so let me ask you this. If you had a Boros deck and you had the option of three Healer's Hawks and one Luminous Bonds or three Luminous Bonds and one Healer's Hawk, what would you take? I'd take three Healer's Hawk and one Luminous Bonds. Okay, and if you had a Selesnya deck with three Healer's Hawks and one Luminous Bonds, or three Luminous Bonds and one Healer's Hawk, what would you take? Three Luminous Bonds, one Healer's Hawk. I think I would still be on three Healer's, Healer's Hawks Hawk for isn't the Selesnya Unless you have Iron Shell Beetles, and I just like, come on. I don't think that that is really what that deck is trying to do. I think Healer's Hawk is good in Selesnya. Now, I granted this is theory crafting for me because I've played Selesnya like twice, yeah. But like the card I am most scared of in this format is turn one Healer's Hawk. Yeah, it's so funny, like Healer's Hawk and Sky Knight Legion as well. If I have Deadweights and Direct Currents in my deck, then I feel much better. If I don't have those two cards, I, I dread seeing Hawks and Sky Knight Legionnaires on the other side of the battlefield because there's no good way to deal with them. Yeah, they're so oppressive. I agree completely. So yeah, I, I do really, I don't think it's a hot take. I think Healer's Hawk is legitimately the top common. Uh, and I think it's very close with Luminous Bonds, but I think they're both way up there above all the rest of the white commons. I agree with that. Um, so as far as how I end up in Boros, it's tricky, I think, at this point in the format to end up in Boros. Like I haven't drafted it in a while. My first like four trophies in the format were Boros or my first three trophies or something like in four out of my first five drafts were Boros because it was open and I drafted it and I, you know, had good cards at certain points on the curve and, you know, my decks ticked. It was early in the format. But lately it feels dangerous to me to just like jam some boros commons or uncommons like actual red white gold cards at the start of the draft because you don't really leave yourself an escape route if you get cut because frequently the boros cards aren't splashable Mm -hmm. Um, but so that's that's sort of neither here nor there so when you are ending up boros i think the most common way for me to end up boros these days is to start with powerful single colored cards like you know maybe a legion war boss a rock charger some of those commons uncommons rares we mentioned or great removal like direct current or inescapable blaze like followed by getting past cards like you know a goblin banneret or a sky knight legionnaire like if my draft starts like direct current into inescapable blaze into a Sky Knight Legionnaire, Mm -hmm. sure, then I'll take the Sky Knight Legionnaire and I'll try to draft Boros. But I'm not really excited about jamming a Boros, like a Sky Knight Legionnaire pick one and praying that Boros is open, for example. Yeah, neither am I. I I do think that that's an important thing to note, that this does feel like a, a least flexible or pivotable guild in the format. 
just because so many of the cards that you might end up with aren't really splashable. Like you can't really splash a Legionnaire in like an Izzet deck or a Selesnya deck. Right. So like I think if you start your draft, for example, with a Tajik, that's the one red, white, three, two haste. Mm-hmm. Like you start there and then you pick a Sky Knight Legionnaire and then you pick a Sunhome Guild Mage and then you don't see any more good two drops or any removal. You're just like up a creek without a paddle a little bit because you're totally giving up on your first three picks because those cards aren't really splashable. If you take that route through the draft, like if you start with a gold Boros card early, you just need to be very aware that you have to be willing to jump ship because I don't think there's anything worse than like a medium Boros deck. Like if if two people or heaven forbid, three people are trying to draft it. I just think you're going to end up with a deck that's very likely to two one or one two. Yeah. What do curves generally look like? For this deck like what's a what's a layout of like creatures versus spells sort of like um number of lands all, the, all that good stuff what, what are trophy decks looking like for you yeah so i think if we take a look at creatures in each converted mana cost slot sort of in order of goodness uh or most important to the archetype i think one drops are healer's hawk then goblin banneret then torch courier then hunted witness uh, and those other two I'm really not excited about. There's a huge gap after Healer's Hawk and Goblin Banneret, in my opinion. Um, and then if we take a look at the two-drop slot, I think those uncommons, Boros Challenger, Sunhome Stalwart, Legion Guild Mage, are at the top of that list, followed by Goblin Crater Maker. That's the one red 2-2 two, two that you can pay one and sacrifice it to deal two damage to something or blow up a colorless permanent, which blows up Glaive of the Guild Pack. Yeah, FYI. Yes, it does. It's very relevant. At least against me. I try so hard to get my opponent's Goblin Crater Makers off the battlefield these days. (laughs) Fresh-Faced Recruit, I think, is up next. That's the Boros Hybrid two-powered first strike card when it's your turn in attacking, followed by Ornery Goblin. That card has been surprisingly good. Mm -hmm. It's been way better than I thought it was going to be. I'm very happy with it in Boros or Is It Aggro. Because it's like a a pseudo 3-2 or 3-1. Yeah, it's like a pseudo 3-1. I agree, yeah. Uh, and then Skyline Scout following that. That's the one and a white for the two one that you can jump into the air if you pay one and a white when it's attacking. And after that, all of the two drops are filler. And I'm really hoping to not play any of those other two drops, like the 10th District Guard or whatever, the 2-2 yeah. that gives something plus O plus one. So those are the list of premium twos there. In the three drop slot, I think Rock Charger is the best, followed by Sky Knight Legionnaire, followed by Wojek Bodyguard. That's the two and a red 3-3 three, three creature that mentors and can't attack or block alone. That's high risk, high reward. Uh, you know, if it gets going, it's almost unstoppable. But sometimes your opponent has a timely dead weight followed by an artful takedown that just leaves him stranded on your side of the battlefield with no friends to attack with. Yeah. Are you considering uh, a critical mass of creatures like a threshold of a creature count before you're excited about Wojek Bodyguards? And are you scared about them in multiples? Yeah, I think I want at least 15-ish creatures if I'm playing Wojek Bodyguard. I'm not. I think it gets better in multiples like i think if you're doing that you're just doing it. Uh-huh. and if your opponent disrupts you like good for them yeah but i think once you're in on wojek bodyguard they definitely get better in multiples i mean you're probably looking at 15 plus creatures for most boros decks anyway right yeah i think the best boros decks are just creatures combat tricks removal like no frills super low to the ground super aggressive uh, and then following Wojek Bodyguard, Blade Instructor in the three drop slot, the three one mentor creature that's white. And then Smelt Ward Minotaur, that's the two three guy that can make something unable to attack or block if you cast a instant or sorcery that turn. And then moving on to the fours, uh, True Fire Captain headlines that. That's the red, red, white, white card, followed by Parhelion Patrol, followed by Hammer Dropper, it's the five two mentor creature. And then, like, you know, several notches below that are Rampaging Monument and Rebel Belt Boar. And then in the five CMC slot, I used to think all the fives were replaceable, but I'm pretty high on Barging Sergeant right now. Yeah. Uh, It's four and a red for the four two haste with Mentor. That card is game breaking in certain like board states. And if your opponent makes one, you know, they try to turn the corner a little too soon, you can really punish them with Barging Sergeant. And then I think Intrusive Pack Beast is also a fine five drop for this deck. And then Hellkite Well beneath both of those, which is just shocking to me. That card has been an 
overwhelming disappointment. It's four and a red for the three, three flyer that deals one to something on attacks. I just never want that card in any of my decks. Yeah, I think it's more like, I don't know, sideboard material against X ones, but also when you're playing like a three to five color good stuff deck. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's just it just it's such a good magic card, though. Yeah, but it's so bad for how it's stated and what it does. Mm -hmm. I mean, five mana, three, three flyers aren't as like busted as they used to be. Yeah, but that's such a great ability. I don't know. Yeah, it is. Has just underperformed. So that's what the creature curve looks like. Um, And again, I'd sort of draw the line underneath hammer dropper, like past that for the four drops. I would draw the line, I think, underneath Wojek bodyguard. So blade instructor and smelt ward minotaur, not nearly as premium. Um, it's just super important that you get all of the best creatures at every point on the curve for Boros. Yeah, makes sense. And so when you've got, you know, 15, 16, maybe 17 creatures in those decks, then what are you filling in with spell wise? So in the one drop slot for spells, I think take cards the best. That's a single white plus two plus two. And then you gain one life for each attacking creature that can also blow open the mirror wide open. Uh, righteous blow also really strong in the mirror. Single white, uh, deals two damage to target attacking or blocking creature. And then maximize velocity and gird for battle, you know, or filler. You could play them if you're a little light on playables and just sort of like an aggro mentality. You know, like I always have Maz on the stream and he's pretty hyperbolic, but, you know, he thinks about gird for battle in aggro as like a one mana two two haste, like which is just so hard for me to wrap my brain around. But I do think there's a place for gird for battle uh, in very aggressive Boros decks. And it's just an interesting mental shift, like to hear how he thinks about like pushing damage and things like that. I think you should have demotion on this list. I think that I think that's an oversight. It might be an oversight. I'm pretty low on that card. That's why I was surprised that you took it over fresh faced recruit. Uh, It probably should be ahead of what like I I would put it ahead of maximize velocity for sure. Yeah. And maybe even righteous blow. I think I would take take heart over it. I would take take heart over it. Yeah. But I don't, I, Righteous Blow has felt more of a sideboard card in Boros decks for me than, because yeah. like, you you don't really want to be casting that when they're blocking, and that's like the best case scenario for you is that you're running them over, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. So underneath Take Card, I think, is where we'll slot that in. Uh, in the twos, Justice Strike is great. Doomblade. Doomblade. Here to hear first, folks. Uh, Lava Coil is also premium. It might even be better than Justice Strike. Those are very close. I think I would, I mean, certainly pack one, pick one. I would take Lava Coil over Justice Strike, but maybe once you're in Boros, Justice Strike is better. I think so. Uh, and then significantly below those, Sure Strike and Maniacal Rage. Three drop slot, direct current is the best thing you can do in Boros, or is it for that matter? And then followed by Luminous Bonds. In the fours, we got some removal in Conclave Tribunal, Integrity Intervention, and then a significant drop off for Cosmotronic Wave and Gravitic Punch. Although Cosmotronic Wave, I think, is legitimate finisher in the Boros decks. Yes. And then Command the Storm in the fives. But that, again, I don't really want in my five drop slot in Boros. And, you know, another thing that Amaz was saying, like, which was counterintuitive to me at the start of the format, was that he would rather have Hammer Dropper in his Boros deck than Command the Storm because it's like a five powered attacker that demands an answer and is essentially a removal spell, but that like if their board is bad, like can punish them way more than a removal spell. Um, so just another interesting shift like in mentality when you're playing aggro. Yeah. Uh, and then in the six, Inescapable Blaze, uh, four red red deal six to any target is a great way to finish out games as a Boros player. So Amaz would probably want Barging Sergeant over Command the Storm in the five drop slot. I think so. Yeah. And I think that's true for me now, too, after hearing his reasoning. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Hey, here's a question. Am I crazy if I know I'm in Boros for wanting integrity intervention over Conclave Tribunal? No, I don't think so, because it goes to the face. goes to the face. And I think being able to double as a one mana combat trick, which is one of the reasons Take Heart is so good. I just think that that flexibility is good to me. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, I think I would have that over Conclave Tribunal after just having that (laughs) quick conversation. 
Great. No, I, just, I, I was ready to be told why that might be incorrect. All right, well, this is, that's super, super interesting. Are there any cards that you feel like are traps or maybe guild underperformers? Yeah, Garrison Sergeant I don't think is great in Boros. I think it is great in like the four color piles that you sometimes draft when a guild is not open. Like it's very powerful to splash for. 3-3 three, three double strike blocks super well in this format. I, I think that Garrison Sergeant, not only just for like you know, three, two, five colors. I think it's also a pretty good splash in Is It because it paired with Maximize Altitude is big, big game. Ooh, yeah. I haven't done that yet. Have you done that? I have done that, yeah. Ooh, nice. Uh, Swathcutter Giant, I also don't think is really a great Boros card. Uh, that's the six mana for the five, five when it attacks, deals one to everything. You really want your curve lower than that, but it can do work out of the sideboard. I've had some success. We'll talk about that in a second, but sideboarding into like a more mid-rangey Boros deck and then you can mm. bring in Swathcutter Giant. Uh, Legion Guild Mage, that's the red-white Guild Mage. I just don't think it's really necessarily what you want in your two slot. It looks like it would be outstanding, and I think it's just good. So, like, I'm not saying it's a bad card. You're always putting in your Boros deck, but I think it underperforms a little bit. Uh, and then Deafening Clarion is definitely not a very good Boros card. One red-white for the split uh, duality of creatures you control gain lifelink or does three to every creature. Dealing three to every creature is not what you want to do when you're trying to curve out and smash your opponent's face in. So are you saying that there would be Boros decks where Deafening Clarion is in your 45 that you would not include it in? Yeah, I think I would not put Deafening Clarion in most of my Boros decks. Interesting. All right. That is, I think, surprising to me just because I always think like, well, sweepers are just like always playable. I guess it's a conditional sweeper at that and you know it's going to hit most of your own stuff. I think that's the rub. Yeah, like I think it's conditional and it's going to hit most of your stuff. And if you're like the difference between having that stuck in your hand and not being a combat trick or something could be the difference between you pushing through the last four damage or whatever you need to get your opponent in direct current range. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I definitely agree with the Swathcutter Giant. Uh, not being good in, in most versions of these decks. I've, I've had a lot of people be like, well, why is that? Why is that in your sideboard? It's like, well, because it costs six mana. I don't think I think if we get there, we either want to be winning or we're not winning. I don't think that's the, the five five is going to make the difference. Right. And that was one conversation we had with the roundtable that we didn't really talk about on the episode was that, you know, you you first picked Light of the Legion. I don't think that's a great card in Boros. That's the four white white for the five five flyer mentor. And when it dies, you put a plus one plus one counter on all your creatures. I just think that's too slow for the most part for what Boros wants to be doing. Yeah, I wonder if thinking about that card is similar to you remember those uh, what were, there was like the cycle of like seven drops in gate crash that were just like they were all rares and they were just stone unplayable because the format was too fast. I wonder if Light of the Legion feels a little bit like that for Boros like and I, was, I think it's a fine Selesnia card but like I'd God help me if I'm first picking a like Selesnia card over something like Chemistry's Insight. So um, I wonder if really your your navigation through that draft was was more correct thinking about Light of the Legion in that way. Yep, maybe. And so moving on down the list for Boros decks, if we take a look at number of lands, I think generally you want 16 to 17, 16 probably as a default. I've seen some hyper aggro 15 land Boros decks, so I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either. Where are you at with a couple Boros guild gates in the deck? How, how do you feel about some tapped lands in your aggro deck? I feel great about two Boros guild gates in my Boros decks. I don't think you want a ton more than two, but two feels pretty nice because a lot of your best cards are like red, white or one red and a white, like as mm-hmm. two drops or three drops. And casting those on time can be great. Yes, I agree with that for sure. I think two feels like a sweet spot. Uh, and then if we take a look ahead at sideboarding against control, I think you can be really weak to X1 hate and your two and three drop slot. Uh, so cards like Cosmotronic Wave and Mephitic Vapors can really punish you. There's nothing better than your Boros opponent playing a 2-1 and then playing a Blade Mentor, uh, not a Blade Mentor, a Blade Instructor, and then you playing Mephitic Papers or Cosmotronic Wave, you just feel like you absolutely just won the game on the spot, like when you two for one them on their two drop and their three drop. 
So watch out for that. And if your opponent has those and you have a bunch of X ones, you might just need to leave them in a prey. Or if you have the ability, you might need to side those out uh, and try to side into a more mid-rangey Boros deck. Against aggro mirrors, like against another Boros deck or against is it aggro? Healer's Hawks, one of the best cards you can have. Righteous Blow does tons of work out of the sideboard. The single white to deal two damage target attacking or blocking creature. That really helps you, you know, maybe maybe if you have multiple copies of Righteous Blow, even take the draw and be up a card, you know, if you feel that confident. Although I do think being on the play is pretty darn good in the Boros Mirror. Take Heart also does serious work out of the sideboard. You know, winning a combat step and forcing your opponent to block and gaining two life can be pretty huge, you know, if you're in a race or things like that. And boarding in your own Cosmetronic Waves can do serious work in the Boros Mirror because your opponent's liable to have a lot of X1s as well. And Maniacal Rage, again, can do some work uh, against, you know, the mirror or even against control decks if you're playing against an opponent that has like direct currents as their removal or damage-based removal and if you can get your creature out of range of their removal. Interesting. I was going to ask you about Maniacal Rage and Candlelight Vigil, how you felt about those cards. Yeah, I think I think I'm never main decking them. And I think if I don't see any removal or I feel like my opponent doesn't have removal from the way they're playing, then I might side them in. But I think generally they're just better off not being in your deck for the most part yeah i have not felt like i've played against decks that don't have removal just there's so much of it floating around right and then if you play against selesnia selesnia is a tough matchup for boros especially if they've got a lot of the life gain cards i think one thing you could try to do is try to be a bigger boros deck and maybe if you picked up some garrison sergeants and a swath cutter giant you can try to side into a more mid-rangey boros build that's not quite so all in and hope you maybe have some better cards and better threats to make up for all their life gain Yeah, that makes sense to me. I've not done that yet, but I like that that's an option. Yeah. So if we take a look at wrapping up things, our top five Boros commons from bottom to top. Number five, Wojek Bodyguard, the three mana, three, three with Mentor, can't attack or block alone. Number four, Luminous Bonds. Number three, Sky Knight Legionnaire, one red, white for the two, two flying haste. Number two, Healer's Hawk, single white for the one, one with flying lifelink. And number one, direct current, one red, red, two damage anywhere you choose with jumpstart. I think my biggest takeaway from all of this is that I just got to rate Healer's Hawk higher than I have been. I think, yeah, if you want to play Boros, I think so, certainly. Yeah, well, I, you know I don't want to play Boros, but <laughs> <laughs> but I guess if uh, if that's what my seat's supposed to do, then I think I need to... Dip. But seeing Healer's Hawk above Sky Knight Legionnaire is, I think, not what I would have thought. But hearing you talk about what really makes this deck tick and it's having consistent one and two drops, I think... That makes a lot of sense to me, and I'm going to adjust that in my pick order. Sweet. All right, well, we're going to move over to the exact opposite end of the spectrum with the control deck of the format, Demir. So uh, I think it's probably no secret that this is a, a favorite deck of mine, and that comes down to the fact that Surveil is such a fantastic mechanic. Uh, it allows you to have such selection over the cards you draw, and there's so much synergy for Surveil prevalent at common that you'll often have the pieces available if the deck is open. Um, I think that's one of the reasons this is such a strong, consistent deck is because there are so many good pieces at common. Um, so the deck's game plan here is to set up a stable board in the early game to be able to overtake the opponent via card advantage and removal and win the game in the mid to late stages with one of its powerful finishers. So when you're drafting Demir, how do you end up in Demir? What sort of what sort of cards pull you into Demir? I think more often than not, unless it's like a powerful gold card, a lot of the times when I'm navigating this deck, it's just with like, you know, sort of how you started the roundtable draft with like just some powerful blue cards or some powerful black cards, and then hopefully getting a signal with maybe one of the the headliner uncommons or 
God forbid someone passes me a great rare or something, um, or some of the good gold commons, which we'll talk about in a second. But if I am lucky enough to get uh, a handful of, of good rares or uncommons, those will definitely pull me into the deck early. Uh, so some of those rares are going to be Atrada the Silencer. That's the 3-5 unblockable that like kills a creature and then shuffles back into your library. Uh, Lazav the Multifarious, that's the, the clone variant in the format. Connive Concoct is fantastic, though again, you can play this because it's too Demir Hybrid, Demir Hybrid, you can play it in Is It or Golgari as well. And Thief of Sanity has just been busted as like sort of a Night Vale Spectre variant. Yeah, that card is a house. Demir has some really backbreaking uncommons. Disinformation Campaign and Nightville Predator being, I think, the headliners there. And then a little bit below that, Demir Spybug, if you've got a pretty heavy surveil synergy. And How Skilled Mage has been good, but not as busted as I think I thought it would be at the start of the format. But repeatable sources of surveil are fantastic. I'm a little surprised to not see Thoughtbound Phantasm on here. For me, that's a pull into Demir, like seeing that around pick three or pick four. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, that's a, a pull into Demir for sure. Yeah, I'll get down with Thoughtbound Phantasm here. I also think that Demir is one of the few decks. I mean, you listed a couple of commons as well that might pull you in picks th- four through eight. I think even even a little higher. Artful Takedown is just one of the best removal spells in the set if you can cast it. And I would take that as a Demir signal as well. Yeah, I think Darkblade Agent might even be a signal for me like in the picks six through eight range or something like that. Yeah, but that's not really, I, I don't know. I, at what point are we calling things pulls into a deck versus signals that it's open, that sort of thing? Sure, sure. Um, so if we take a look at the creature curve for this deck, I found that, you know, the deck, because it has a lot of powerful options in the spell range that like creatures, it, it can get away with like 13 to 15 creatures, you know, you're going to want want some card draw, some removal, that sort of thing. Um, so the creature curve, you really want to make sure you have some stuff to do before the three drop slot, because the three drop and, and beyond is where the deck starts to really take off. Um, so some things that I've been happy with as creatures in the early part of the game is Hired Poisoner and Thoughtbound Phantasm in the one drop slot. Uh, Demir Spybug, Nightville Sprite, House Guild Mage, and I think Passwall Adept is good as a, a two drop because it, it's good on turn two, good on turn 10, that, that kind of thing in Demir. And then as we move higher up on the curve, Dark Blade Agent, Demir Informant are, I think, the, the two best creatures that you can get at like the, the common uncommon slot, as well as Whisper Agent. Um, and then Plague Crafter is fine depending on how many creatures you have. And I think Spinal Centipede, again, is fine, but depending on how many creatures you have, you really want to be able to take advantage of the die clause on that card. Okay, so let me ask you this. I don't see your boy rats on here. The two drop, one, one, make your opponent discard a card. You're not happy with that in Demir? I am not happy with that card in Demir, no. Interesting. That card has been backbreaking against me from my Demir opponents, like especially in multiple. Really? Yeah, I have not. I have not been thrilled when my Demir opponents have played because it feels like there's a variant of Demir decks that just play like attack your hand, you know, like the ones that have a disinformation campaign or even like the the thought sees, whatever it's called, like the blue black, look at your hand, take one, surveil one. There's my feeling about Burglar Rat in Demir. I think that you would almost always rather have like a Child of Night in the two drop slot because yeah, I hear what you're saying about it being like redundant or good to have like redundancy and attack your hand with disinformation campaign. But disinformation campaign doesn't need any help except for surveil triggers, which you will theoretically have in your Demir deck. I just think the one one body is pretty unimpressive against enough decks in the format that I would rather have the two power thing against the aggro decks because that's what my one and two drops are basically there to do anyway is to just make sure I don't fold to aggro decks immediately. And so I just want like enough things there so I don't die before my deck starts rolling in three, four, and five. And I don't really feel like Burglar Rat does that. All right. That makes sense. So moving on to the the meat 
and potatoes of the the curve uh, up at four, five, and six. Murmuring Mystic is fantastic in this deck. Nightville Predator is really, really good. It's a, a win condition. It's a great blocker if you need to just like stabilize against some some flyers. Just that card is so obnoxious to deal with. Hexproof, Flying, Death Touch are three abilities that should not be on the same card. Uh, Wishcoin Crab is a card that I've actually been pretty happy with. You know, certainly happy to have out of the sideboard, but fine to main deck if I just feel like I need some more toughness in my deck. So the 2-5 for 4 mana. And then we got Watcher in the Mist and Dowser of Lights. I think, again, a 4-5 for 5 is sometimes a fine finisher in these decks if you just don't get there on win conditions, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And City Watch Sphinx at the top of the curve, another great beefy flyer that then gives you some surveil if your opponent happens to deal with it. Yeah, I'm also excited to not see Muse Drake on your list, the three and a blue for the one three flyer. Yeah, I have Muse Drake as we'll get to in a little bit as one of the guild underperformers. So we move away from creatures into the powerful non-creature spells that you can get for your deck. Uh, There's a real glut of removal, which is great because that's what this deck needs. So Deadweight, Artful Takedown, Deadly Visit, Price of Fame are all still very, very high picks. And I think Capture Sphere is also fine as well, but is, I think, a distant fifth beyond those four that we just mentioned which is is kind of a bummer like you know it's still good it's like luminous bonds for one extra mana shuts down tap activated abilities but uh you would just rather have the things that that get the creatures dead instead i think demir especially once you get to four mana can operate at instant speed a lot and capture sphere having flash feels pretty darn good there i guess if you're on the devious cover-up plan yeah well and whisper agent you know like in case mm-hmm. you don't need to use one of your four drop removal spells or counter spells or something yeah that makes sense to me i could definitely see capture sphere moving up in my pick order or up in my uh desire for the deck based on how many cards with flash or instance i have and then i've got sort of a, a ranking of the surveil enablers that are spells um uh, number one for me being discovery dispersal just the fact that it replaces itself and and lets you surveil too and dispersal is sometimes very relevant um i have used that to like make sure my opponent's conclave tribunal gets bounced at instant speed or it has dealt with a night veil predator from time to time when four cmc is the highest but i'm usually playing that for discovery notion rain is my number two and i'm interested to hear this because i think i'm higher on this card than a lot of people this has been in a lot of my trophy decks for Demir. I just think it's a pretty big mirror breaker if you're in any kind of control matchup. I am snap taking them out when I'm in an aggro matchup, but otherwise this card has felt very, very strong to me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I freak. I think I'm undervaluing that card a little bit, and I was already sort of aware of that in my own head, and I think just hearing you say that makes me remind myself that I need to nudge that a little higher in my pick order. Um, some two-mana interactive spells coming up at three and four with Unexplained, Disappearance, and Thought Erasure, both cards that I'm happy to have uh, at least one of in my Demir decks. Uh, Sinister Sabotage, as we'll talk about in a little bit. Counterspells are very good in Demir, and Sinister Sabotage is no exception. Dazzling Lights is good and especially goes, uh, I think, goes a little higher depending on how many Dark Blade agents you have. That's a nice little wombo combo to like get your opponent to block or be able to like blow them out in combat, that sort of thing to give the creature death touch and then and reduce the power of the creature that's blocking it or it's being blocked by. But I don't generally think of that card as a super high pick because my creature count is often on the lower end. And when my creature count is on the lower end, something that's a combat trick is not something I'm super excited about. And Mephitic Vapors, you will main deck sometime but I have not often, but I'm thrilled to have it as a sideboard option. I think I lean towards main decking the first copy of Mephitic Vapors myself, but you've been having more success than I have with Demir, so maybe I need to be rethinking that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think part of that is your three drop slot fills up so fast that more often I'm just like, well, if I want to not die to aggro decks, I just got to put like a Child of Night in my deck or something rather than like loading up on another three drop. Some other good notable non-creature spells, Counter Magic, 
very strong in blue black decks disdainful stroke sinister sabotage and devious cover-up devious cover-up in particular can be a win condition all on its own you've probably seen people talking about this on twitter or on twitch or other podcasts like having two devious cover-ups being able to loop them it's one of our treasure hunts but i also think it's just like a very viable win condition on its own if you just don't quite get there um Four mana counter spells, not actually bad in this format, shockingly. That's crazy. Counter magic is so strong in this format. Yeah, it really, really is. And uh, card draw, I think, is really important. You have a lot of card selection with your surveil triggers, but card draw is important as well. Disinformation campaign and notion rain are probably the best, but chemistry insight is also fantastic. And you'll play radical idea in a pinch, but I think you're hoping not to. I think you're hoping to get there with card advantage in other forms in your deck. Can we just talk about how oppressive disinformation campaign is for a second? I think that's an, this is an appropriate time to talk about that. Yeah. Like, how did we miss so hard on that in the set review? I was did just we? thinking like what I did. I talked you down on it. Like, I just didn't think there was ever a world where you're going to be casting this twice in a game of limited with the Boros decks that are out there. And I think it still feels fine when you're playing against Boros. Yeah, you don't. I would never side this out against Boros. I might side it out against Nullhide Ferox, but even then I'm kind of loath to just because it's so good. It really is. A card is one of the single best cards, I think, in Demir. Yeah. And and there are just so many times where your opponent does that on turn three. And if you're if you don't have a good start already, you're going to have a very difficult time winning that game of Magic. I agree. So we'll move on to some quote unquote guild underperformers because these really aren't like the gold cards that we've been talking about sometimes like the Garrison Sergeant as like a clear trap for Boros, that sort of thing. But these are cards that I feel like I often have to defend why I'm not putting them in my uh, Demir decks. And so I want to talk about them here. Muse Drake being at the top of the list. This card feels like filler at best, and I'd rather have Crab over this almost always unless I really feel like I needed some defense in the air. But your four drop slot can fill up pretty quickly and this just isn't the kind of stabilizing card that demir needs to be able to survive to the late game yeah i'm very glad to hear you say that you have crab over muse drake because i figured that out for myself you know about a couple weeks ago i had some demir decks where i had muse drake main and i just kept citing it out for crabs and i was like you know what i just want a better blocker like muse drake's just like complete air it feels like most of the time yeah, I mean, again, we've talked about this before. I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it. Three twos feel good, so one threes feel less good. You would think that like, well, you would pay two mana for a card. You would pay two mana for a one three flyer. So paying four mana for those two together feels fine. You would think that Demir like just wants like a body and more cards. But the thing is, is like it can do better with better blocking bodies and it can do better with card draw and card selection because surveil is so good. Yep, I agree. Plague Crafter I have on this list. This I think is really good in good Golgari decks. I don't generally like this in blue black just because you don't usually have enough expendable creatures to take advantage of this effect. And you don't often just want to play a three mana edict. And your removal is generally good, and I think it's also awkward if you're running Capture Sphere, because you don't want to play Edicts when you're playing that sort of enchantment removal. This card just doesn't often line up for me in Demir. Amen. Barrier of Bones is a trap. This is not the surveil effect you're looking for ever. I would never play this card in my deck. It's so bad, and I keep seeing my opponents play it. I'm like, great, thank you for mulliganing to six. (laughs) Yep, yeah. Uh, I think people are... Playing this, people are always like, well, but when would you play it? And the answer is never. I would never do it. Uh, Whispering Snitch. Also, I've played this card, but more so because I wanted something to do on turn two and less so for the text of Surveil Matters. It's like cute. I've had two on the battlefield before, but like you then have two one threes, which is not really what you want. Um, Surveil is already great and you don't need something to make Surveil like slightly better, like just play good Surveil things, I think. 
So if we look at uh, top five Demir commons here, going from bottom to top, I've got at number five, Tide, Darkblade Agent, and Whisper Agent. I think this just sort of depends on like, do you have surveil enablers or things that care about surveil and which do you need more of? I would probably take the first Darkblade Agent over the first Whisper Agent, just because I think there are a lot of things with surveil and not, and there are less things that care about surveil and dark blade agent is I think kind of an engine of some Demir decks, but I think both of those cards are fantastic. Then I have watcher in the mist at number four, deadly visit at number three, artful takedown at number two and still dead weight at number one. I just think it's such an important thing to be able to stop the aggro decks, to be able to double spell all that good stuff. It's a fantastic card in Demir. Yeah. That list makes perfect sense to me. So what does sort of like your curve, your number of lands, that sort of thing look like when you're running a a good Demir deck? Yeah. So what I said before is I really think Demir gets going on turn three. That's when you have access to a ton of options. Even if we just look at the commons, you've got Whisper Agent, Dark Blade Agent, Notion Rain, Demir Informant, etc. There is no shortage of fours, fives, and sixes for you to get in your deck. So I think the key is to have enough early plays to get you to the second half of your curve. Uh, Deadweights are the best, I think. These are the things that I'm taking the highest, as you can see from my Demir common rankings. And you'll play a handful of random two ones like Child of Night or Vidalcan Mesmerist to fill out the cards talked about above. Uh, I run 17 lands almost always in this deck. I think at the start of the format, I was thinking that because Surveil was so good that I would want to lean more 18, but I have found that 17 is just enough and I don't. Re- you really don't want to flood out in this deck, and you can get to if you start to chain your surveil spells together. Of like, I surveil two, and then I bin a land, and I find another surveil spell. That's really the the key to the deck there. And so I think you're able to like not flood out, but you do want to be able to get to land number three, especially with this this kind of deck. Um, I think pick orders will vary throughout the draft as you try and balance out the amount of cards that care about surveil and the amount of cards that actually surveil themselves. And I think because removal is plentiful in this format, you need more finishers than you normally would in control decks or ways to recur your finishers that have died as decking can be a real factor here if you're in a control matchup, which is one of the reasons that Devious Cover-Up is such a good backup plan. Having even just one of those to shuffle back in three relevant spells slash win conditions is really important for these kinds of decks. So when you're in the matches, you've got your good Demir deck. Uh, what have you found sideboarding wise that you're able to do, you know, maybe against aggro or control the mirror, things like that? Yeah. So against aggro, you've got some work to do here. Um, as long as you can stabilize and turn turn the corner, you should be able to win. So the problem here is that in this format, there's so much incidental burn, as we talked about with Boros and Is It last week, like Sonic Assault and Inescapable Blaze and Direct Current, that like even once you get to six life, you may not be safe. Yeah, I found myself chump blocking way earlier than I normally would in most formats just for that reason. Yeah, I agree completely. So I think life gain is key here, which is one of the reasons why I keep talking about Child of Night just being a good filler card here, like trading off gaining two, or if your opponent thinks they're racing and then you can chip back in for two, that sort of thing. Even bringing in a copy of a card like Severed Strands as some incidental life gain, even though it's going to two for one you. Whispering Snitch, maybe you've got it in the sideboard and now you want to bring it in for a couple points of drain. Maybe even splashing for Crawl Foragers, I think is not a terrible plan against some versions of aggro, just so you can get some more life gain. Depending on if your opponent's aggro deck folds to Mephitic Vapors, you're going to want to bring in some copies of that. I would strongly recommend taking out some top end and any wheel spinning card. So I'm so I'm certainly cutting Notion Rain because that loses me life and I don't want to do that. I'm probably cutting 
clunky, just pure card draw spells like Chemistry's Insight, probably cutting some expensive counter spells like Devious Cover-Up. You want to have your cards affect the board as much as possible. So I think lowering your curve and removing the wheel spinning cards is pretty key. Yeah, makes sense. And then against control, depending on the exact deck or matchup, you should be a heavy favorite unless you're in like the exact Demir mirror. But I think Demir is a pretty big favorite against uh, Golgari, depending on how controlling that Golgari deck is. So that's what I consider to be the other control deck in the format. And I guess like the three to five color deck also is probably the the other control deck or, or is it control? Um, is it control is probably a tougher matchup. That's probably closer to the Demir mirror. Um, but these matchups often come down to key cards like disinformation campaign, timely counter spells, a handful of top end flyers. So bringing in more ways to deal with those is important. So hand disruption like Pilfering Imp and Never Happened, more Disdainful Strokes or Devious Cover-Ups are great additions here, more copies of card draw spells to like outgrind, maybe you bring in a Demir Locket because you just like want to have another card draw spell in in this like grindy matchup. Uh, And depending on your opponent's deck, this is where you can afford to take out some of your filler two drops. Like the two ones are probably not going to get the job done, they'll probably be blanked by opposing one fours and two threes anyway. So I think removing that sort of lower end of the curve and and loading up on the, the spells that are actually going to make an impact is the way to go here. Do you put any faith in the drowned secret sideboard tech in the blue mirror match? That's the one blue enchantment. When you cast a blue spell, you get a mill two. Yeah, I think so. I think I would put faith in that. Even beyond the meme value, I think that's got some real game in the control mirror for sure. Yeah, so that's where I'm at with Demir. Uh, I think the deck is super sweet and it's one of my favorite things to do and I've been having a lot of success. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I did tweet out... Uh, these my like four most recent Demir trophy decks that you know all look you know they've all got some rares in them they're all pretty powerful but I think you will start to see a sort of consistent theme throughout them in terms of what the curve looks like what cards are showing up in all the versions that sort of thing awesome we'll have to check that out because I've been struggling with Demir Demir's my worst performing guild and my most drafted guild oh wow that's interesting yeah I think if anyone can figure it out it's you for sure <laughs> thanks all right well next week we're going to round things out with Selesnia Pith last in gym class and then we're also going to dive into the three eight to five color gate decks which we've been having a lot of fun with drafting as well i cannot wait to talk about the three to five color decks dibs on that all right you got it (laughs) deal (laughs) thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give it a listen the guilds of ravnica treasure hunt is underway if you want to participate uh, you can go to either of our streams to get a list of the achievements just type exclamation mark treasure hunt in the twitch chat whether we're on or offline Take a screenshot of those achievements, shoot them over to us at Lords of Limited on Twitter with hashtag GRN Treasure Hunt, or you can screen cap and shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. If you unlock five of those, you will get entered into a giveaway for a draft set on Magic Online. And once all 15 of those are unlocked, we will schedule our 15-hour stream. Boom. You can find us on Twitch. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Again, we're both under those same handles on Twitter, and the podcast is at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback, about the show or any questions shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com head on over to cardsphere's blog to check out that article on reading signals thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later
Aurelia is obviously the first one that comes to mind. Two red, white mythic for the two five flyer that has a bunch of busted abilities like plus two plus O, oh, vigilance. I don't know what she does. I'll take that again. 